When you were a kid, did you ever have those things that you would do with your dad that you just knew, like, I don't share this with mom? Like, did you ever have those things? Like, like so for my dad and I, it was like we would go look at houses, and it would always make my mom nervous that that meant we were moving again soon. But we just like looking at, like, the way people built their houses and stuff, like uh-huh. new, new construction. So for me... I like to go look at cars that I know I'm never going to own and think about, hey, I, I would love to have this, yet I'm too cheap to ever actually buy them because I always drive like the beater that I think can go another 100,000 miles. Sure. And so I, my daughter and I went to look at a one-year-old Jeep Wrangler Unlimited. The sticker price on it was like $30,000. <laughs> <laughs> I I test drove it because why not? The guy offered. It was a Saturday afternoon. I was trying to kill time. It was fun. My eldest almost immediately says, guess what dad and I did this afternoon? And I gave her this look like, there's a line of where you just don't share stuff with mom because you know it's going to get dad in trouble for no reason. And you've now lost that privilege. A- am I wrong to take that away from her and to choose a different child next time? My amazing, loving, beautiful wife is a listener to our program. So, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I never, ever do anything with my son without telling my wife exactly what we're doing and being upfront and honest. I love you. Soccer chat with two T's. Because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode four of season two of Soccer Chat. I'm Alex. I'm Adam. And we're going to start today with our usual bad news, good news segment. Oh, that's bad. No, that's good. So apparently this weekend there was a preseason game. Yeah, I was shocked by that. I had I had heard nothing about it up until that up until they announced that they had had it. They yeah, they announced that they would had it really the, the first word that was put out in public was 30 minutes into the game when they gave us a score update. Um, we'll talk about the game here in just a second, but are you familiar with uh, net promoter score? No, never heard of the term. All right, so when you're when you're going to all these different um, retail operations and banking and all of that stuff, and they do that whole, will you take this survey and tell us that we're awesome and give us a 10? The idea behind the net promoter score is you you want people that are rating you as a 9 or a 10 because those people are going to go out and they're going to promote you. They're going to be like, hey, you should go to this bookstore. Look, at they're so amazing. I bought my books there and they have the best service. If you're like a 6 or a 7 or an 8, you're usually like, you know, they're competent. They don't tick me off but you're not going out of your way to tell someone, hey, you should go check this thing out. So what the what the, the thing that bothers me about this double-secret preseason game, so they played Atlanta United 2 at the Atlanta United training facility. It was a closed, uh, a closed preseason game, a closed scrimmage. Fans weren't going to be able to go down and, you know, mosey on in and watch the game. And I understand uh, respecting the hosts at Atlanta United 2 who said this is going to be a closed scrimmage. But especially when we talk about how the game went, all through the afternoon they could have been putting out pictures and descriptions of what's going on and generated all sorts of excitement. And there are people who would have wanted to spend all of Sunday afternoon following what was happening, retweeting it, hitting like, doing whatever people do with it on Instagram. Um, It would have got a lot of people excited and excitement talking about the game. And that's what gets people into that net promoter score. The thing that kills me is 
they didn't tell anyone. And there's just this sense of apathy among the fans of, oh, what do you know? They played a preseason game and they didn't announce it to anyone. Yeah, and I think my bigger issue isn't with that it's, it's close scrimmage. That's not on them. Right? That's Atlanta United 2's decision. My issue is they're not, from what we've gathered, because they haven't announced anything, this is just from talking to random people that are involved with the team, they're not going to have any home preseason matches, right? Um, because they don't really have a stadium. At least that's what they've said, right? Well, here's right. the problem. You haven't said anything about that. You haven't told your fans, hey, we're not having any preseason matches. So they're looking at it and saying, well, last offseason, there was this really great you know, jersey reveal party. There was the reveal party for the, for the logo in the fall. There were all these things that you did to engage your fans. And then you had preseason matches as well that were at home. And I remember last year being frustrated about the Birmingham one where they didn't tell us that was happening. And then all of a sudden we found out about it, right? Right. So this is not the first time they've done that. But the bigger issue is you've done nothing with your fans so far this this winter. Nothing. You've done a, a meter greet here or there that you've given us like 30 seconds of heads up for. You did a, a thing uh, uh, that costs more money than, than for a lot of people, half their season ticket price uh, for a casino night. And you did a bowling night that you gave us a heads up on less than 12 hours before the bowling was to start. You're failing. And you're failing miserably because you've got, you don't have a huge fan base to piss off. And this is another example of not engaging your fans in a way that lets us know. Like, tell us there's no preseason at home. But then you have a social media person who, by the way, has done some amazing videos. Agreed. He should be sitting there with his phone, live tweeting what's happening. I follow I follow Arsenal, as you as everyone is well aware. Ars blog has a live tweet. Their blog site has a live tweet where he's they're constantly updating it. It is not complex. It is not detailed. But when I can't watch a game or if I know that I'm going to be out long enough that someone at some point is going to spoil the game, I'll have that up on my phone. And that, for me, is entertainment enough or knowledge enough of what's happening to go, ooh, close shot there. Oh, uh, shot hits the poster. Mustafi screwed up again. Here's what happened. Tell me that stuff. Get me engaged. Make me interested. Well, and that's even the you know the perfect opportunity to embellish all of that stuff, like in Major League when uh, Charlie Sheen's throwing the ball to the backstop and Bob Uecker's up in the press box talking about, I can't believe they're laying off pitches that are this close. You know, that's the that's the one where as the lazy cross comes out and Alex Mangles takes a little jump to grab it, you say leaping save by Alex Mangles. <laughs> Just a bit outside. Right, exactly. Yeah, ex- yeah. so it's another missed opportunity, and I don't feel like this is the nitpicking. Like, we've nitpicked at some stuff in this bad segment of the good and bad. At some point, they got to realize that engaging the fans in the free media that is Twitter and Instagram with more than just a cool video and actually having a back and forth, posting silly things like, you know, Alex Mangle makes his 35th save – Oh, wait, never mind. He made a save in the 35th minute. My bad. Like, something as stupid as that, it's something, right? Yeah, it is. And it, it, and that's what gets people genuinely excited and fired up and engaged to come to the other community events that you're wanting to do to show uh, the larger family of Chattanooga Red Wolves in the community. But but yeah, there's there's the community things that are important and should never be stopped but there's also an engagement with the fan base um you know i'm i'm not a charity case thank goodness my life is good enough that we're able to to take care of things and you know try to be involved in the community on our own but i still want to have some engagement from the team of hey this is what's happening in this game that you're not going to be able to go see yeah so okay so i think we've got our our bat off our chests. let's head over to the good news Good news, everyone. Uh Uh-oh, I don't like the sound of that. We won! And we didn't just barely win, either. Right. uh, They they matched Arsenal. I'm just saying. Like, (laughs) they were like, all right, well, if Arsenal cannot tie, (laughs) then we cannot tie. 
uh, yeah, so they give us a 4 nothing victory and from three very different parts of the team in three very different ways from what I can gather from watching the videos. So the first two came both off set pieces, both really just off of a shot from right outside the box off a set piece from Ami Pineda. Did you get a chance to see the video of that that they put on Instagram earlier today? Yes, they showed video of both of them. They're both very impressive shots from, I'd say, roughly 25 yards out. Yeah. So my, I'm, I am going to be a little bit nitpicky here. My only thing is those were great shots. But if you're in a preseason match practicing, maybe practice a set piece because that's a shot you can practice on your own a thousand times against nobody. <laughs> just, just saying. Like, great shots. I'm not ripping on Ami for it. I'm glad you can take it. But I feel like that's the chance to try a set piece. <laughs> I'm just, especially since no one else is seeing it. <laughs> I don't know. Third goal was a pass um, stolen by Ricardo Zacharias. So they were, I guess, passing around the back, and he was able to go in and block a clearance by putting pressure on the defender, stole the ball, had a run in, and beat the goalkeeper one-on-one. So that was exciting. Um, and then the third was a – who had that assist with Eamon? I'm trying to remember. Oh, it was from Ami. Yeah, it was Ami again, yep. Man of the match, Ami Pineda, uh, sent across that uh, that Eamon's eye brought down and was able to put in the back post. Yeah, yet again, Eamon's eye at the end of the game getting a goal, which we did see a bit of last year. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he re- if he reruns that super sub role again this year. Right. And, and I, I'm glad to see that it's it's still something that we're seeing out of him. That late in the game, he's he's still engaged, especially if you're already up three zero and are friendly. So that's good. That's good news. So, and then from the sounds of it, the defense had a fantastic game, kept everyone on lockdown. Um, from what I was told, basically, uh, Tim Trilk in his session in goal had to make about had to make one save off of a free kick from about 20, 25 yards out. And uh, other than that, there was really nothing uh, that the keepers had to do other than kind of play passes to each other um, and distribute from the back. Do you think Alex Mangles was confused if he was actually at a Red Bulls game with that happening? <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. What am I doing over here? What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this seat thing over on this side? What's what is what do you do there? Well, not only that, but like not having to make 40 saves. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Awesome news on that end. I've got I've got three takeaways that I want to you know I know there's only so much that you want to say about winning a preseason game, especially a preseason game for an MLS two team that is not very heavily invested in. But here's the thing: they played Atlanta United last year and struggled to a one-one tie. So this being a four-nothing win, uh, keeping the pedal to the metal through the whole match is something to take away. The fact that it was, as you talked about, Alex Mangles wasn't making 40 saves. It was a 4 nothing clean sheet is something to take away. And then there's the fact that the entire regular season last year, there were two games, I think, where they scored three goals, and that was the most that they scored the entire season. Um, so that they were able to put four goals in, uh, again, was something that was very impressive. Those are kind of my three takeaways that really have me excited uh, you know, with a huge shaker of salt, understanding that this is preseason, uh, it wasn't even like a formal game format. They said they played three 30-minute periods. Um, so that's that's my final takeaway. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's preseason, so we want to hesitate a little bit on going too far. But we do have some non-preseason news for the Academy, which is pretty exciting. Top 100 ranking for the Academy. What's your thoughts? Congrats. To all the kids, to the coaches who put in hard work, um, showing that Chattanooga is an area that does have soccer talent. Yeah, and if you looked at the other teams in that ranking, if they weren't associated with an MLS academy, they were in the traditional hotbed areas that you think of for traditionally for for soccer talent. Like that, Chattanooga being in there is an impressive thing. Now, granted, that our academy for the Red Wolves. Um, also pulls a lot of players from Dalton, so it's the greater Chattanooga area. There's players that for, I know for a fact that have come in from 
uh, Cleveland, from Dalton, from obviously Chattanooga. So it's it's the full area that they're pulling players in from, but still impressive. Sure. But on top of that, you know, I mean, they're in that curriculum. They're being coached by those coaches. So it is pulling talent from a pretty wide um, area, but they are going through the um, the curriculum and everything that Chattanooga Red Wolves have put together for their academy to try to make it into a professional academy. Uh, so it's very impressive that they're put there. The one that uh, kind of made me giggle is uh, there was a lot of MLS ones that were up in that top 20, top 25 um, and then two spots ahead of us at 97 was the Orlando City Academy. Yeah, that's a little disappointing for them. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, the other thing that was interesting that was on there was, uh, you know, Coach Obleda's former um, squad there in California came in at number 90. Yes, correct. So you can see that he's, um, you know, I think he's going to be someone that's good. Uh, to talk to the academy about ways to continue to grow what they're doing and continue to improve because you can see that he obviously has had success with, with that. I mean, yeah, if you even go back to his time with the Fulton Rangers, which was a different club than what we're talking about here, um, you know, and the, you know, all the players that we got this year from his championship team with Fulton Rangers. Uh, yeah, it's, he's got a long history with the academy. And uh, I think the fact that, you know, one of the first things he did when he came into town was go and visit out there. Uh, just adds to the fact that this is truly meant to be not a separate entity, but instead one that has a whole whole plan that starts from the two academies that they've got, the one that's here and the one that's in Park City that feeds future, hopefully, into their Dalton and Park City Rebels and League Two, as well as to, to college programs and such for those kids that, that want to go that route. And on up into the first team. I mean, they've shown that they're willing to pull from both areas. So, yeah, it's very exciting to see like kind of the full grouping there. I agree. So my final bit of good news, um, Saturday, my son plays in the academy. And uh, he's at the youngest age group uh, because of just kind of the way the weather has been and kind of chilly, really wet. Grass is normally not ready for things. Um, they did a big uh, futsal tournament in uh, in the Chattanooga Christian School gyms, and uh, so when we, my son, finished his session, we decided to try to sneak out the back door and went around to the football stadium where the team was having training, um, and got to hear Coach Obleda tell the guys just as they were wrapping up, "Hey." The academy kids are in the gyms here. They're doing uh, some indoor playing and things like that. You guys need to go in and you need to make yourselves heard and you need to um, give some high fives and, and be seen. Uh, means a lot to these kids. You really need to, to do that. And uh, I will say not a single one was dragging. You know, they, they trooped off the field. They changed into their flat shoes from the, you know, from their cleats and they all made a beeline for those gyms and went in and made an appearance to the academy players. And uh, was it was really cool. It was good to see, uh, A, that Coach Obleda understands how much it means to the people in the academy to have that interaction with players, and the players also understanding and not making, um, you know, not dragging and not groaning and complaining, um, but genuinely going in with a smile on their face and, and seeing these kids and giving them high fives and stuff. That's that's excellent. And that's the type of stuff that kind of goes back to what I was talking about before. I mean, that's what will truly build the you know the whole path to pro thing that USL really talks about. But going from the USL Academy and the USL Academy Cups to uh, into League Two and eventually into League One, uh, who knows down the road what, what USL might have, you know, individual cups and stuff that USL talks about having. It's just it gives that kid that has the talent an area to dream that's local and seeing other players be there. I mean, you know, you've got a player, you know, in, in Ricketts here locally who grew up in the Chattanooga area who plays for the team now. And if a player doesn't, you know, sees himself one day getting there, getting a chance to see that same player come in and, and shake his hand and say, you know, this is where you could be one day. If you do this means a ton. And so it's really good to see that happening. 
I agree. All right, so not everything is happening just here in Chattanooga. There's a lot um, happening around the league for for League One. Um, a number of League One teams has had their preseason kind of kick off. I know out in uh, Arizona, FC Tucson is taking part in the Sun Cup um, and some other things out there. And then you've also got um, Ford Madison is actually in Birmingham right now. Uh, they're doing some training down here in Birmingham area. Um, they had a close scrimmage with um, uh, with the with the Hammers. So um, on top of that, you had some other teams that had a similar result to what we had, which was a victory over championship side in Greenville. Did you catch much of that or know much about that? No, really m- not much more than just seeing the score. I know Greenville is a, is a roster uh, as constructed that worries you in yeah. League One. It's going to be one that's going to be a challenge. Um, so they were able to win that game one nothing against Charleston Battery. I believe they hosted them uh, in Greenville. So um, that was very cool. They're, uh, they're crowning themselves the Kings of South Carolina. Congrats to you guys on that. Uh, also, I guess Omaha is playing in some kind of preseason tournament with Real Monarchs um, and other clubs. I, there again, I've not seen any finals or scores or anything like that from what those have been. But uh, the just kind of scrolling through Twitter and seeing some of the Omaha fans that I've started following, they were pretty excited by what they saw. Yeah, the... Um Going back to that, you know, you kind of referenced my fear of Greenville. My fear is the one nothing game, right? Like that's they're built right. to play a lot of zero zero one nothing. Um, you know, trust in, in Dallas J to to keep it tight, and I expect for them to be strong because of their defense. That honestly, they've only gotten stronger, and they were already good last year. So that'll be very interesting to see. Uh, kind of where that where that goes. I mean, Tormenta uh, also has some stuff going on for them. Um, you know, what more on their side is Tormenta has been involved in the USL Academy Cup, so they've had a lot of stuff going on with their academy team as well. Just a lot of interesting things when you look at USL League One. They're not just, just you know, they're getting all over the country and they're getting involved all over the country. And Tormenta is a really interesting one to me because they've got... Um, They've got players that have worked their way all the way up through their academy that even play, you know, overseas in the EPL. So um, to see kind of what they've done, they actually finished first and undefeated in the uh, Academy Cup. They were the top of the Premier Group, um, and so that's pretty uh, pretty impressive for them. So congrats to their academy and to what what Torment is doing down there. That's what I hope to see us in three four years talking about is the accomplishments of the academy and these type of you know area cups and such and how that translates onto the field because they you know, they're the same place that signed three academy players to pro contracts recently so yeah kind of keeping that same theme so also we um for uh flcdf fort lauderdale club de football they now have a coach who uh comes from mls pedigree jason kreiss uh and they also have named a roster so they have actual players now it's not a full roster right it was only like 10 players that they've named so far is that correct uh it seems close enough yeah so i think and the reason why technically they could field a team of 10 players (laughs) yeah i think the, the interesting thing about them is that makes me think that that MLS roster that they're building out is going to also have some players to sign down, which I think will make them possibly scarier than people are expecting them to be. And when I looked at some of the people that they had announced, you know, that's not a, it's not a, a roster to, to, to laugh at. It's going to be a pretty strong team. Now the question becomes, will they be as well versed as North Texas? Because we you know, you remember back to last season when we interviewed the North Texas coach prior to the season, he talked about that their plan is to run the exact same style of offense, style of defense as the main MLS club. And that worked really well because they were able to move the players back and forth really well. And I wonder if we're going to see some of the same there from Miami and Fort Lauderdale um, who play in the same stadium. But let's I digress. When they share players, like will they will it be the same sort of thing because they're getting a guy that's 
that's job is connected to the MLS team, will that mean that they're going to build in the same way North Texas does? Because if it does, they become more of a North Texas two team than they are an OCB, right? I agree. I think they will. Um, I mean, we're going to kind of get into that, but it's just hard to know based off nothing more than names. Um, they don't seem to have announced any kind of scrimmages that they might be doing if they've opened practices, things like that. Um, so, you know, it worked very well for North Texas, but I think a large part of that was that they had already put the academy things in place and the team had been around for, you know, well over a decade now or well over two decades. So adding this team as kind of a step in between was really the natural thing. These guys were already well-versed in that. This is a brand new uh, Fort Lauderdale and Inter Miami is brand new. Um, they've, they've merged with an academy in the area that was probably one of the better ones in Miami or South Florida, um, but they haven't had a chance to integrate all of that. So that could be a factor that kind of keeps them from replicating exactly what North Texas was able to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that. I, I think you've got a very good point. Um, now it'll, it'll just be interesting to see how well, how quickly they can put that together. Um, it's not like the, Beckham has been just recently been working on this project. And so I wonder how much of this is, has been planned out for a long time or how much is being rushed. We'd re- we just don't know um, because we're not in there and we won't know until it starts to happen. But yeah, overall, you know, I think I'm glad they're finally doing something right. Uh, yeah. And I'm rooting for them in all honesty, the, the selfish person is rooting for them to be OCB and not North Texas. So <laughs> I'm rooting for that. But at the same time, cause we play them four times. So I'd like for them to be terrible all four times, but uh, if not, then please be great versus everybody else and just have bad games versus us. That'll work. Okay. So the last thing as we go around the league and we talk about things, uh, our friends that are another BGN.FM podcast had put out on Twitter today. Today is Monday um, that we're recording this. This won't actually get released till Wednesday. So I don't know if their pod will release first or not, but they're going to be speaking on their podcast that they're recording about some rankings that they have provided that um, are directly related to what tier a team is on. In other words, um, like like you know your your superior tier, your your very best, having the best off season, and then an A through E for the for the lower tiers. And they've got the, both Ira and Jason have put out their list, and I'm going to go a quick breakdown of roughly where some teams are and see if you agree with this or not. Both of them have Greenville. No, these are terrible. Oh, sorry. <laughs> both of them have Greenville at the top. Uh, I'm going to agree with that. That makes sense to me. Um, but then from there, it's kind of all over the place. The only thing that they seem to agree on is that Fort Lauderdale is going to be terrible. And then from anything in between, it's kind of, is North Texas equal to Greenville or are they level below? Um, But it's kind of all over the place. And I made a comment on their Twitter that basically said, you know, this is kind of, this is great and all, except everyone expected the Rebels to be great last year and we didn't make the playoffs and everyone expected North Texas to be terrible and they won the whole thing running away. And the, the comment back I got was to the effect of, well, we know a lot more this year. My question is, do we? Like, do we really? Do you think we do know enough to be able to make rankings? I don't. I, I don't feel in season, I don't feel comfortable making rankings of our own team until I've had a chance to, um, you know, put on the old uh, – Navy SEAL stuff and sneak into a couple of these closed door scrimmages they might be having in town and get to see the players in action. Um, You know, there's a lot of what we've seen are highlight videos, which of course are there to make people look as good as they possibly can. 
Um, someone like Jonathan Ricketts, we've known, we've seen him play with CFC and saw him play with Dalton. Um, but that wasn't on the same level that he's going to be playing now in league one. Um, you know, the, even some of the known quantities, you know, how is the, the new makeup and the new coaching style going to affect someone like Connor Doyle? Is Connor Doyle going to continue to play somewhere in the midfield? Is he going to be playing it forward? Um, is he going to fit into Jimmy Oblata's style? So, so even with the people on our team, let alone, you know, yeah, I've maybe recognized some of the names. There's guys from Lansing that have been distributed around the league. They were good with Lansing, but does that necessarily mean that they're going to be a perfect fit in the new system where they are? We, we just don't know. I think the great example going away from soccer to something that a lot of our listeners may be able to connect with more is the NFL football, right? How often do you see a great running back or a great wide receiver change teams and disappear? And Right. And that's kind of, I think, what what my issue is with all the people getting excited about the Lansing players. Also, can we stop acting like Lansing was North Texas last year? Like, they were one or two games from not making the playoffs. Like, they were only, like, what, five points, four points ahead of us? I don't know what the final standings were, but they didn't run away with, with, with their placement. No, that's true. And so, can we stop acting like they were amazing? Like, yeah, they had a good season, but... You're not getting a bunch of Pepe's going everywhere, right? So right. let's let's hold back a little bit on that. And once again, system matters a lot to how well a player plays. Like when we talked about, you know, when we talked about Hankinson's system, a lot of players were played out of position and some other things. And I, I just don't know how these guys are gonna fit. Now, the reason I also I, the attacking half was lava. Well, yeah, but that's because that, we had a seven year old making it. You couldn't touch the lava. <laughs> yeah. Now, the only reason I've agreed with Greenville is, for the most part, they've kept their team intact and only added players that fit the system they were already using. Right? Like a player that right. showed a similar style. Um, so I, I get the I get the love for Greenville. That said, they didn't win it all last year either. Like it's just that's my whole thing like so I'm, I look at the two lists and you know I maybe I shouldn't be upset about it because in both lists we're making the playoffs if they're right <laughs> like we're no it's true I I yeah I'm looking at the tiers and yeah we're, we're looking in good shape especially our buddy Jason thanks for the love um yeah and there's just no telling I mean honestly here again like I said it comes from my experience I was incredibly cocky about what I thought we put together. Yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised at the quality of all the other clubs in League One. Like, this is a very competitive league, top to bottom. On any given day, people are going to um, are going to impress, and they're going to play hard against each other. And so you can't take any game for granted. Um, that, you know, yeah, we were six points behind Lansing Ignite, by the way. Okay. Uh, three points behind forward in Greenville. Okay. Yeah, even that being said, I just never felt I never felt like Lansing ran away with it. Maybe I should have felt better about them, but eh. Uh, they didn't impress me that much. Maybe it was because I was watching their tiny field. I don't know. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the other part of this that just... Are we just assuming that other than North Texas, every two team is terrible? Because that's what these lists both say to me. Like Yes. And I don't know that that's a fair assumption either. I think... One of, I think one of those two new MLS two teams are going to surprise us, and I don't think it's going to be New England. I really do think Fort Lauderdale Club de Football. Really? Because I mean, the TB12 stuff is right there. <laughs> yeah, no, I really do think Fort Lauderdale Club de Football is going to surprise a lot of people. Um, and I, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong because, like I said, we play them four times. But to assume just because they're not active on announcing things on Twitter and social media, that means their team's going to be terrible, I think is a weird assumption. No, I would agree with that because Tormenta was competitive throughout the year and was not really all that active on social media. Uh, Tucson was not a pushover, also not incredibly active on social media. So, Yeah, and, and yeah. 
But as we all know, American soccer is all about winning the battle on social media. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's pretty accurate. I would like to be able to do these with confidence. I I prefer like preseason rankings in college football, NFL, Major League Baseball, even MLS. I put a little bit more weight in where you can actually get some some true film on these players. I've actually heard of them or the league that they played in last year. And so until mm-hmm. until League One reaches the point where that's a thing, I don't think any preseason rankings really matter. No, but thank goodness they're not deciding playoff based on preseason rankings in League One. It's going to come down to producing on the field. So we will know soon enough. I think I would last year I would have preferred the preseason rankings to decide playoffs because we would have made the playoffs, right? <laughs> okay, so that's enough of that around the lower league stuff, around League One, around the Red Wolves. Um, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go to the uh, greater soccer world here in the U.S. and abroad. So uh, catch you on the other side of this break. All right, welcome back. Um, thanks for uh, sticking around for the second half, and uh, hope you enjoy what we've got to say about uh, MLS and some of the things going on in European soccer and, of course, the Biggles Wade Report. Here you go. All right, so let's change it up, completely go away from lower league stuff for just a bit, and uh, let's take a look at the top tier, Division One in the U.S. How do you think the MLS teams are going to do in the uh, CCL? So yesterday, this is this is future Alex because we're recording on Monday, but you're going to hear this on Wednesday. So yesterday, Atlanta United is taking on Matagua of Honduras. I like their chances. Also Tuesday night, Los Angeles uh, FC is taking on Leon of Mexico, Liga MX. I don't think their chances are as good, especially since they just uh, traded their U.S. national team center back for some gam-tam, flam, whatever. Um, Tonight, Montreal Impact going to be playing Deportivo Saprissa of Costa Rica. And I would be wary of that. That's probably going to be actually a pretty uh, fun matchup. Um, And then Thursday, New York City FC against a Costa Rican side as well. And Seattle Sounders playing a team from Honduras. Um, So, yeah, I mean, with these matchups, it's not as as big. Really, the question I think everyone wants to know is, do you think or who do you think of MLS teams has the best chance of beating whichever Mexican team ends up in the final? (laughs) Uh, You know, I really do think that the ownership for Atlanta United actually takes this more seriously than any other owner. Um, him and the owners for LAFC seem to really care about this. I felt like in the past I've seen some complacency or lack of care from previous um, franchise ownership groups for MLS. And so if I'm looking at it, it's going to be one of those two. I don't think the Sounders, I don't think New York City FC, um, which, I, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't even get to play their home games at home, right? They're they're playing them in the Red Bulls arena, right? You are correct. Yeah, so I just don't see them putting much importance on it or doing much with it. Um, so those are my two most likely, and if I had to pick one of the two because of what you just talked about on the uh, getting rid of a player for some flam blam, uh, thank you. Uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta United. Uh, and really on top of all that, Leon is a very strong club, has a has had a good um, fall-winter season. So that's not even, – even with Walker Zimmerman in their back line, it would have been a tough game uh, or a tough home-and-home home for Los Angeles FC. Um, I think Atlanta United is best set up to make a run to the finals – and um, and has the best, like you said. I, I feel like they're ones that take it seriously, um, and that 
I hope they get rewarded with that sort of thing. And I hope that it inspires MLS clubs to take this tournament seriously because then it's another fun thing to be able to watch. These games are all going to be on the Fox networks. Yeah, except um, unfortunately, which makes it really awesome. Except unfortunately, some of them are on Fox Soccer Plus, which is a bit of a disappointment. This is where this is why I I I wish more of this stuff was on ESPN Plus because you can catch it all. Because the thing with the Fox Sports stuff is, you know, you've got most of it's on FS1, FS2, but some of it ends up on Fox Soccer Plus. I'm trying to figure out what genius thought. Hey. One of the number one liked MLS teams in the uh, in the country in Atlanta United should go on Fox Soccer Plus, but we're gonna put LAFC on FS2. Who I don't know. I feel like Atlanta United's got a bigger following than LAFC, even though the LAFC did really well their first year. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. But I'm with you. I still think they're the best ones that are set up, so it'll make for some exciting watching. Um, and that is what I have about CONCACAF Champions League. All right. So once again, Alex, it's that time that most people have really been waiting for. Some may have already fast-forwarded to listen for the music. Um, I believe you may have an update for us. Is that correct? Biggles Wade United... Not Biggles Wade United. Biggles Wade Town has uh, signed Bradley Bell of Hitchin Town FC. Uh, he will be joining Biggles Wade today. Uh, so they made that uh, transfer known. So uh, look out. Uh, Southern League, Southern Premier League. Biggles Wade Town's coming for you. Uh, this last weekend on Tuesday, Biggleswade Town fell to uh, who cares who they are, the um, Hogsmeade FC in the Bedfordshire Senior Cup semifinal. Um, big pack of cheaters they are, I'm sure. One of the things that I've noticed, though, unfortunately for Biggleswade Town, is uh, they've they've been struggling to hold leads. They uh, they'll jump out early, one or two nothing, and uh, unfortunately give that lead back by the end of the match. So they've uh, been on a bit of a, a rough patch, but uh, hopefully they'll be turning it around. The rest of the Biggles Wade report is essentially a Nicholas Sparks movie. It's just a bunch of white people kissing in the rain in England. <laughs> so all all three of their matches rained out uh, due to waterlogged pitches because of Storm Sierra uh, at this time. So that is your Biggles Wade report. So, Biggles Wade basically had the same um, weather that we had for the last week and a half. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. Yes. But their stadiums are already built, so it's not as anxious a moment as it's been for us. <laughs> well done. Well done indeed. Oh, that's good stuff. So, more importantly, as we stay in Europe, um, did you watch any Serie A this weekend. Uh, that's a negative there, Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. So Lazio and Inter Milan played a heck of a game Sunday afternoon. Uh, I did watch that. And Lazio, 2-1 winners, uh, were able to leapfrog Inter into second place. They are one point behind Juventus, and Inter Milan now is three points behind Juventus. So there's a little bit of juice in Serie A as they come down the stretch run. So, so can I now finally talk about the thing I really want to talk about? Were was there any um, English Premier League? Did they have any of those games? I, I believe there was one that that many may have enjoyed uh, in the London area. <laughs> People are saying it was an enjoyable game to watch. That's so. What's interesting is that if you if you've read all the stuff before the game, uh, and I'm, I'm talking about Arsenal yet again, if they you read all the stuff before the game, they talked about this like basically kumbaya week that they had, where they all got together and they all you know had a team building exercises. I'm imagining guys like standing on the edge of picnic tables and falling backwards 
and, and being you know held on to by you know the other people holding them with their arms stretched out. Uh, you know all the all the cheesy things you see for team building. I'm just picturing them eating pork belly burn ends at Charlie's. That that probably would have been a good decision too, because that's what it looked that's like. The best decision. Because that's what it looked like in the first half. Okay, if all you did was look at the score, you'd be sitting here going, "They blew them out for nothing, knock them out of the park." Great, great game. No. Every one of us Arsenal fans for the first 15 minutes of that game were saying, what the heck were you talking about? You had this great team-building exercise. Newcastle looks like they know how to attack and hold the ball. Like they've been by, Newcastle's been by far the worst team in the EPL on having control of the ball, yet they were consistently having no problem getting control for the, for the first 15, 20 minutes of the game. And then the second half started, and it's like two different teams. And... Saka, who is an 18-year-old kid that they got playing left back, he looked incredibly strong. Um, it, you know, Nicolas Pepe had his best game of the year, in my opinion, on his his control, his crosses. Uh, Aubameyang got the first goal to get us going, and then uh, immediately within like three minutes, Pepe gets the second goal. Uh, we finished it up with a goal from Lacazette, and then finally, you know, to to cap it all off at the very end, Ozil in classic Ozil style, kind of fumbles the ball into the net. Nothing he scores ever looks pretty. His passes are beautiful. His shots are so ugly. Uh, but yeah, it was a good it was a good Sunday because finally we got a win. I mean, we only had six going into the into there. The other part that was great for us is fifth place might get us Champions League. And so yeah. and so now we have reason to hope. And if you look at our schedule coming up, if we if we take care of business like we should, the game versus Tottenham in, in a couple months could very well be the way that we we kick them out of Champions League, which would just be heaven. Well, good for you. I'm glad you had a good weekend. It's been a while, okay? Let the Arsenal fan enjoy it. Yes, yes. Gloat, gloat. So, final thing that we're going to talk about is uh, European tournaments are back, and that means it's time for Alex. Um, really exciting. Tuesday, I have PSG winning their matchup against Borussia Dortmund. This is I'm just going to pick who's going to win uh, overall. Okay, PSG. Liverpool over Atletico Madrid. Uh, Valencia over Atalanta. I have RB Leipzig over Tottenham. Thank you. Bayern Munich over Chelsea. Barcelona over Napoli. Real over Manchester City. And Juventus over Olympique Lyonnais. Lyon. I think that's how you're supposed to say that. So... The Man City pick is the one that throws me. What? Why do you have that? Why do you think that's going to happen? I just don't have much faith in Man City right now. I know Real's been scuffling. That's why um, I'm saying I mean, that. I think. Really, that's one that I think could go either way, but I'm going to lean towards Real. So I, I'm putting it. I agree to almost everything you said except for that Man City pick. And I, you know, I'm no Man City like fan by any stretch of the imagination, and I'm super excited uh-huh. that. Uh, for at least the next month, they are kicked out of Champions League until arbitration changes their mind. But I feel like <laughs> they've got nothing left to play for but this. And because of that, you're going to see a very strong side with everything on the table, and I think they win that game. Fair enough. If we go over to European NIT... Knew it. Um, I knew you were going to use that term. I knew it. I'm not not going to pick all 16. What I will say is um, Ajax versus Getafe of Spain seems like a should be a pretty fun matchup. Ajax is is running away with uh, with the Eredivisie in the Netherlands, and Getafe is like third or fourth. Uh, they're you know they're in the mix qualifying for a Champions League position in La Liga, so that could be kind of a sneaky fun. Uh, matchup to watch on Thursday if if you've stupid enough to buy the BR Live thing. Um, 
and then Celtic and Copenhagen is also kind of a fun one, but not really. Um, I think Manchester United is strong enough to beat the Belgian club that they're playing. I think that Manchester, where, what is the other one? Oh, um, Wolverhampton. Wolves. Wolfman Jeff. Buddy. Espanyol is last place facing uh, in La Liga. Like, well clear of relegation. So I have Wolverhampton Wanderers moving on in this matchup. Uh, as well as Arsenal beating the uh, Greek club, Olympiakos Piraeus, that they're playing. Um, all the rest of them are kind of boring. I think it's interesting that there's a Swedish club that's still in it, even though this is technically their offseason. Congrats to them. Malmo so, will be playing Wolfsburg from Germany. So, as many are aware, I um, I am of Scottish descent, and I have so I keep an eye on Rangers to a point, not massive, uh-huh. but I keep an eye on Rangers. Um, th- they're going to be playing Sporting Braga. It'll be the first time they've ever played them. They've never lost a home match to a Portuguese opposition before, so that that bodes well. Six wins, two draws. Um, you know, Braga has lost both their previous away games against Scottish sides in Europe, European competition. Um, they lost in 2004 to Hearts and Celtic in 2010. Uh, wow, digging deep. So I think you're looking at. I think the Rangers are gonna are gonna win this game and move on to the next round. So that's the one I'll give you as my additional. All right. Well, that's everything that I have this week. Well, as always, we want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scars, the official scar supplier to MLS, USL, U.S. Soccer, NCAA, and many more. Additionally, they'll create custom scars for your local groups, teams, or organization all over the country. As well as we are part of the BGN Network, I want to thank uh, all those within BGN for allowing these two idiots to be part of your network. And uh, guys, go check out some of the other stuff. There's some really good things out there. Not only with League One, we're talking River City, League One Fun, uh, but also Championship, MLS, and other areas as well. Bye. So I'm thinking I'm just going to make the the outtakes random cuts of me just screwing up the read. <laughs> because you have no idea how many times I have to reread that when I do it. Like it's not a long read. It's not. Like, yeah, I know. For example, take one. All right, I want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is somebody of importance. Screwed it up again. And take two. All right, I want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves, your home for scarves and crap. How hard is this to read? Holy crap. And take three. Thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scars. Roughneck Scars, your home for MLS, USL, and other crap. I came so close. So close.